And we are back. This is Moving Forward with Young Voices on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. I'm joined now by Molly Davis. Molly is a familiar voice. You have, uh, Molly, you've been on here a number of times on this show. And we are adding a couple of new uh, titles here to you. Um, you are a policy analyst at Libertas Institute as well as a Young Voices contributor. And I understand you are also the new executive director of the Utah Cannabis Association. Congratulations. Hey, thank you so much. I'm really excited to take on this additional role. So talk to me a little bit about this. I mean, look, cannabis has, has become a, a pretty uh, mainstream topic for a lot of people. What, uh, what will you be doing as the executive director of, of the Utah Cannabis Association? Well, yes, it's you're absolutely right. It's become more and more popular. And even in a conservative state like Utah to legalize medicinal cannabis a couple of years ago, it's incredible, helping a lot of people. So my role is to represent uh, some of the, the businesses in the cannabis industry here in Utah. So some of the cultivations and the pharmacies, as well as the uh, product producers. And we're really trying to ensure we have a strong and successful industry. Um, it's we're about a year in from the first from the first pharmacy being opened um, about a year ago, and so we're uh, we have about twenty four thousand patients now here in Utah. Um, and so as the the program continues to grow and develop, my role is to just help. Um, ensure regulators and lawmakers um, from the association side that we're moving in the right direction toward helping patients as much as we can. I know that uh, that was a very hard fought battle over uh, a number of years here in, in my home state of Utah. How has that last couple of years gone since since medicinal medicinal cannabis was uh, was made legal here in the state? Uh, I mean, there were dire warnings, you know, cats and dogs living together and all that kind of stuff. What have we seen in that uh, last couple of years, positive or negative? It's been mostly positive. Um, it's yeah, it's surprising. A lot of people there was fear um, surrounding the program. A lot of people were fearful about you know what could happen. Um, it's a Schedule One federally illegal um, substance. But I think um, the proof is in the pudding. We've seen how many people this has helped. You know, religious people, non-religious people, conservatives, liberals, all around. You know, twenty-four thousand people. We're helping treat, you know, adults with mental conditions like PTSD to physical, like ulcerative colitis and Crohn's and also kids with epilepsy and cancer. I mean, cannabis just has so many uses and um, we have eight uh, medical pharmacies open now um, to to give patients their medicine. And we have we're going to have all 14 open by the end of April. So I'd really say the program is successful and the public's. Um, the public is starting to to change the narrative um, here in Utah to see how helpful and how great cannabis can really be when used in a medicinal setting. It's very reassuring to see a kind of a return to sanity from the, uh, you know, reefer madness days, you know, when when it was it was considered the devil's lettuce. Now, interestingly enough, at the federal level, though, there's been kind of an interesting step backwards. Tell me what the Biden administration has been up to uh, regarding marijuana use. Well, unfortunately, there was news last week that Biden had let go of a number of staffers who had admitted to using cannabis in their past. 
Um, you know, this is something that came as a surprise to a lot of people. Many people are anticipating that Biden would be finally the president to deschedule cannabis from a federal once uh, scheduled drug. But now he's kind of turning around and being strict with it. And it's interesting because his vice president, Kamala, has admitted to the media that she's actually used cannabis. She's admitted to it. So his own running mate can use cannabis. But anyone who works below him who also, by the way, have to submit to random drug tests as part of their employment agreement, now they're being let go. That just doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem progressive. And it's very unexpected to many people, myself included. Well, and the irony, too, that uh, Kamala Harris, during her time in California, um, she spent a lot of time putting people in jail, you know, for for simple possession of a plant. And so, yeah, it's it's not to, I, I hope that's not playing well with with the populace. But does it does it portend any, uh, you know, harsher moves at the federal level? Or is this just a matter of preference within the Biden White House? It seems like it is mostly preference, but he does have a lot of sway over those the rulemaking on cannabis and where it's scheduled. And so I'm hoping that he sees how the public is reacting to this and um, sees that the the individuals who elected him and many of the states across the country are starting to legalize, you know, medicinal and recreational cannabis. And hopefully this will encourage him to at least consider um, making some moves at the federal level to deschedule cannabis um, and you know, allow for at least research on the medicinal side at minimum um, so we can move in the right direction and really help people with this. But right now, our a lot of hope has been kind of kind of crushed with uh, with the recent news of his firing of these staffers. I'm actually a little bit surprised that uh, prior to last year's election that, uh, you know, an enterprising candidate, whether it be, you know, would have been Trump or whether it would have been Biden, didn't uh, make it a a, a platform or a you know part of their their getting elected platform to to make sure and decriminalize it at the federal level it's been there for a long time and it seems like that was the direction things were going like you i look at that now and go huh i wonder wonder if this is a reversal of course yeah yeah i'm surprised too um i think that it's clear now there's been many public polls that show that um, over 50% of Americans support, um, you know, cannabis decriminalization at minimum, if not legalization. And so you would think that he would, um, you know, kind of pay attention to what the voters are saying. But it just seems like on some, th- some ways that just hasn't been the case. So what do you see at, at the, let's go back to the state level and, and not just the state of Utah, but in other states, it appears that there are a lot of uh, these states still moving boldly forward. Um, and, and again, either, you know, adopting medicinal or sometimes recreational. Does that appear to be a trend that, that is uh, moving forward? How many states now have at least medicinal cannabis? You know, I don't have the exact number on the top of my head, but a number of states have medicinal cannabis. I mean, we know we're going in the right direction if a state like Utah, a very conservative red state, has it. I know there's other red states as well. Uh, Three of the surrounding states around Utah have it. Um, Even, you know, states like Montana, we have... uh, Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona, all of these states are starting to legalize. And so 
I would say a primary concern here in Utah is helping, you know, ensure that Utahns can safely access high quality medicinal cannabis. And this is a problem in a lot of states where we have this fine line between making sure that these products are high quality and safe, um, which is when the regulations for cannabis are good from the government. But we also want to make sure they're not over-regulating because when that happens, we're just pushing people uh, into the black market where they're, you know, accessing oils and things that were made in some 18 year old's basement or flour that hasn't been checked for mold and so on. And so we need to ensure that as we go about making rules and regulations at the state level for these programs that we're not over-regulating. And, um, you know, Utah's lawmakers uh, passed a bill this past session that would add a pretty costly restriction um, to, to ordering cannabis um, from a from a pharmacy and so we're hoping that in the future we can work with them to ensure that um, these costs aren't transferred onto patients to to push them into the black market well i apologize for putting you on the spot for as as to the exact number i just know uh, this is not like oh it's just single digits there's just a handful of states i mean it's it, I, it may be a majority of states at this point you know more than 25 or 26 states that now have said you know what Rather than fight this, let's create a path where people can access this. And, and like you said, get, stu- get uh, you know, cannabis that is a, a known um, quality and that, uh, that is, is being regulated, you know, not to, so much to punish them for accessing it, but to, to make sure that what they're getting is actually, you know, what they are trying to get. Right. And I just looked it up. It's actually 35 states that okay. have medical cannabis usage and D.C., Wow. So four out of five states, you know, are, are allowing this for medicine now, which is incredible. Are there any other things you see on the horizon um, in terms of uh, um, drug liberalization, you know, either at the state level or at the federal level? Uh, you know, we saw this past election cycle, uh, Oregon took the move to decriminalize all d- drugs and um, D.C. also decriminalized a number of psychedelic plant medicine. So. Um, I think that trend will happen um, more and more, probably not in the state like Utah yet, but well, that remains to be seen. Well, you know, th- this is why the states are little laboratories of democracy. We get to see what works and what doesn't. Molly, where can people um, access your work? Uh, well, libertas.org. Um, and if you want to know about Utah medical cannabis, go to medicalcannabis.utah.gov. Okay. Molly Davis, great to talk with you once again. Thanks for having me.